1: Full disclosure here, truth and advertising and all that good stuff. If you listen to the show with any frequency, you know it's not pre recorded because you catch all the mistakes. <laughs> good afternoon. Welcome to the Wednesday. At, see, there's one right there. The Tuesday edition of Lifeline. Five after five. Craig Roberts and your shell like here as we're here about another edition of Lifeline. And of course, uh, breaking down all the issues of the day and how they relate to your Christian walk. We've got a lot to unpack today. And uh, the part of our discussion is going to pivot to some critical constitutional questions. Uh, you heard me announce with some fanfare last week that the CDC has extended the moratorium on um, the whole issue of uh, evictions related to coronavirus. And, and while if you're in that position where the landlord is trying to get you out to the street, that's probably good news. But there are broader, deeper questions as to how this has a potential chilling effect on the overreach of the government in an emergency situation and why we need to um, get a better understanding of exactly what might be at risk here and why this is potentially dangerous. We're going to do that as um, our good friend Bob Zadek joins us. He is one of the most brilliant constitutional minds that I know, it's maybe one of the best understandings of the history of the Constitution of anybody out there, and uh, Bob is going to come on and help us a little bit understand the uh, the opposite side of the equation when it comes to moratoriums on evictions. If you're a landlord or a tenant, conversation you won't want to miss. Speaking of brilliant legal See how I did that nice segue there? Uh, Joining me next is the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. He himself, a constitutional lawyer and constitutional expert. He's Brad Dacus. Brad, as always, great to have you with us.
2: Oh, it's great to be on the show. Appreciate it, Craig.
1: Boy, this this one here, I got to tell you, you know, uh, when it comes to No Limits, Uh, It it seems as if this particular topic of gender dysphoria has found the innate ability to break all barriers and to erase all limits. Uh, There's a new report out that was issued by the AMA, the American Medical Association, that is now calling for... Folks, if you have sharp objects near you, set them aside. If you're driving, try to uh, you know be aware of the road. You don't want to bump into the car ahead of you as you suddenly slam on the brakes when I tell you that the AMA in June is calling for the elimination of biological sex on birth certificates. Now, Brad, I, you know, you're a reputable guy, and I know when you send me these interesting stories, you're not using the Onion or the National Enquirer as a source. <laughs> but this one feels like it. I mean, you know, it's one thing to to debate about the the legitimacy of acts of of, of science and things of this sort, but I I thought that the the whole gender thing was pretty much settled science, like you know, centuries ago, and yet here we are debating this. How has the AMA managed to get itself pulled into this vortex?
2: Yeah, this is very telling about what uh, can happen when, with regards to uh, organizations. Uh, they don't always reflect uh, their members or constituents, uh, but they often reflect uh, some, uh, you know, at the top with uh, ideological, maybe elitist, uh you know philosophies uh but without question i would say that uh, the overwhelming majority in the medical profession uh would disagree with this and, and find this foolhardy illogical and uh, very problematic in the future
1: yeah i, I mean you know it, it, it's one thing to argue that someone as an adult wishes to make a change. Uh, as much as we might argue the, the potential inherent risks involved in saying that, that's one thing. But now, now we're suddenly going to assign immediate gender fluidity, even at the point of birth. Uh, and, and there's there's a quote here that you're going to love uh, that comes from the uh, chair-elect of the AMA board. And I'm quoting here, designating sex on birth certificates as male or female and making that information available on the public portion perpetuates a view that sex designation is permanent and fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity the medical spectrum of gender oh. identity uh yeah. why is that one in particular seem to be, be scientifically uh, just, just, just completely out of bounds
2: yeah in the human body every single cell uh, either is XX or XY in other words Uh, you know, male or female in the DNA, every single cell in the body. Well, wouldn't you know it? Every single cell in the body is unanimous as to the gender identity of the person, Um, much less the bone structure, the musculoskeletal structure, uh, organs, reproduction, even the brain, the size of the brain and the white matter to gray matter ratios differentiation, um, even the the left versus right dominance, these are all, you know, the, the the... the biological distinction between the two, uh, the male and the female, uh, is is decisive, um, it's it's uh, and it's indisputable on multiple facets, uh, and so to to say this really makes makes no sense at all from a science biological perspective. This is a political move by a few elitists, and it's uh, most disheartening to the the credibility, unfortunately, of the American Medical Association, not just in the eyes of the consumer but also in the eyes of many, many, the majority of their members.
1: Well, and just because you can surgically engage in modification, as you point out, at the chromosomal level doesn't change the, 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 the nature of your sexual identity at birth. I mean, I, I liken this, and this is an extreme, I realize, but to prove a point, this would be akin to somebody who has a uh, significant heart operation, maybe has a pig valve installed in the heart, so do we now declare that you're no longer human because you are part human and part animal? And so, therefore, we should make sure that there is an extra box that we can now make available on your birth certificate or to somehow suggest that you, you may be someday not entirely human because you've had uh, this particular uh, valve replacement surgically performed. I mean, I, I, I realize that's a stretch, but I, I say that to prove the point that it's demonstrative of just how far out of whack this is becoming. Yeah, it,
2: it is uh, very illogical. You know, once again, uh, the DNA doesn't change, chromosomes don't change. They are uh, unanimous uh, at birth all the way through life as to what your, uh, someone's gender is. And it also we could see some potential medical liability coming into play here, where if your birth certificate says uh, you're, you're you say you're, you're female and you're actually genetically a male and decisively a male, but uh, your birth certificate says differently and your your body's been operated on. And you're in an emergency situation, and the the doctors uh, assume that you are biologically, for uh, surgical purposes, uh, one gender, and the reality you're, you're the other. That can influence gender can influence medical decisions that doctors make uh, in emergency situations potentially. So this is um, this is actually handicapping uh, to some extent. Uh, the ability for doctors to to treat their patients in the the fullest, uh, optimal way.
1: It's uh, it's pretty remarkable, and uh, the fact that the AMA is getting behind this apparently uh, just shows uh, how far out. Uh, of touch, apparently, aspects of science are becoming, and you know, then then we sit back and wonder why people don't want to agree with science or challenge science. Well, when things like this occur, uh, it, it is demonstrative of perhaps the reason why. And you know, the the interesting thing is that we we have prided ourselves so much on on uh, educational and intelligence and and informational advances in in modern medicine and science, and it's almost as if uh, brad we're taking several steps backwards here
2: yeah this uh, science has had some major uh, blows uh you know recently we we saw uh science about the need of politics with to some degree with regard to the shutdowns and the the covid virus and the vaccines and etc um now we've you know, we've also see it now in terms of uh the uh, some of these transgender identity uh decisions being made medically uh it's, uh, it's, it's very disheartening to, to many who for long have respected the integrity of science, the objectivity of science, which is now becoming very political and very subjective.
1: Brad Dake is founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. More on the web at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. 515 from KFAX, a look at traffic.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If
1: you are a tenant, a landlord, or maybe a landlord want-to-be, then our discussion coming up next is one that you need to listen very closely to. First, let me set the stage. A week ago, we reported that the CDC was putting out a new eviction moratorium as the Delta variant of the coronavirus spread across the country. The health agency arguing that the moratorium on evictions would, quote, allow more time for rent relief to reach renters and to further increase vaccination rates, close quote. Now, let me just say this as an opening disclaimer. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody wants to see anyone on the street, And to lose your job in the middle of a pandemic and then suddenly lose your home would be tragic. I think everybody should have the opportunity to enjoy the comfort and peace and quiet of their own home, be it a house that you're renting, an apartment or one that you yourself own or share with the bank, as the case may be. But there have been actions taken by the government since the outbreak. Break of the pandemic, specifically speaking to this issue of rent that, quite frankly, I don't understand. For example, the argument goes the pandemic has caused people to lose their jobs and therefore we need to put a moratorium on evictions, even though. People can still get unemployment, even though unemployment has had additional monies added to it, even though people have been receiving additional checks through the stimulus dollars, even though people can receive um, rent assistance provided for by the government. So I'm a little confused as to what is the difference between somebody becoming unemployed because of the pandemic and Henry Joe, who's experienced this over the history of America, who lost a job and suddenly said, gee, I'm here on unemployment. I got to pay the rent, put food on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Materially speaking, there isn't much of a difference. But somehow we have characterized this as very unique and in some ways said to Landlords. Not all of whom are major corporations. In fact, I have not done the research. Maybe our guest tonight can tell us. But I I, I would imagine that probably a good percentage of 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 apartment small apartment buildings or homes that are rented are, are actually owned by small landlords that use this as their their sole source of income. That they too have a mortgage to pay mouths to feed. And yet somehow we've said COVID makes all of this unique. And so in spite of the importance that property rights have been placed. In this nation, since its founding, out the window with that all we're going to set up a special set of rules. Is it even constitutional? Well, to help us figure this out, we're joined once again by best-selling author and syndicated talk show host Bob Zadek. Bob, of course, is the host of the longest-running libertarian talk show in the nation, The Bob Zadek Show, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. And Bob, as always, a privilege to have you join us. This is a frustrating one, because as I say, and I want to be clear about about this, We're not advocating that people be thrown out on the streets and that they shouldn't have a roof over their heads. Of course, we want to see people taken care of. But the question I want to lead with is, ought it really be on the backs of landlords to have to provide that? And if the landlords are responsible for providing free housing during the pandemic, why not a grocery store, free groceries? Why not a gas station, free gasoline?
3: Craig, first of all, thank you for inviting me back on your show. It's always a pleasure. Second of all, I withdraw my appreciation because we haven't even started. You already got me all worked up. So now uh, now I'm a mess, and I'm going to be on my meds for the rest of the show. So I withdraw my thank you. Uh, but now getting to the matters before us uh, this Tuesday afternoon. First of all, I just want to do a minor, minor comment on your itch on your intro, which was, by and large, straight on, you asked the question, who should pay? Always a key question. I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. But first you said, in, in expressing your own outrage and you speak for me, my outrage as well, you made the point, you said, not all landlords are big corporations or something like that that's, frankly, besides the point. There is no law that says, if you really are a successful landlord, we don't care so much that you have to give away your property for free. So I don't draw that distinction. Anything we're going to say for the next time for this segment of your show applies equally to the most wealthy, aggressively priced landlord in America, as well as to the as you refer to them accurately, mom and pop landlords who are relying upon rent income to stay alive. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, nothing to discuss, I wanted to just make the comment. Because the issue is one, again, you perfectly uh, framed the issue as one of property rights. Now, um, as we know, just to sort of make sure the audience knows what we are talking about, right now, this country is living under a federally imposed, one-size-fits-all nationwide moratorium on evictions. Landlords cannot evict a tenant who doesn't pay the rent. Now, there are some requirements that a tenant has to show they couldn't work because of COVID, um nonsense has to apply and all that stuff but the bottom line of it is the evictions are there basically nationwide so an issue we'll probably come back to if i know you craig sometime during this segment is whether or not if there's going to be a law and there shouldn't be but if there's going to be a law should it be Suddenly imposed uh, by Washington, by our president, who has not left uh, the uh, his home except for occasional trips to the White House since he was elected and hasn't been out in the world. But that's for another show. But should President Biden be the authority? on what should be the law in every square mile of America. Of course not. Or should that issue be decided locally with local dollars? Putting it another way, should a citizen of Wyoming subsidize a tenant in the Bronx, New York? Or should that be a matter for New York to deal with? A whole other show, but I wanted to make sure our listeners don't let that issue go unnoticed by them. Now, as to the specifics, the issue of the eviction, one of the not-really-spoken-about-a-whole-lot issues of what Biden has done is that, in my opinion, what Biden has done might very well be an impeachable offense there i am craig throwing a monkey wrench into the whole discussion president biden has taken an oath to support and defend the constitution uh, from all threats i'm paraphrasing foreign and domestic president biden uh, uh, proposed and has encouraged and has signed uh, and encouraged CDC to impose a nationwide eviction moratorium, despite the fact that almost that uh, in six of the nine federal court cases where that provision has been tested, six of nine federal courts have found it to be unconstitutional, and the U.S. Supreme Court, in a five-to-four vote, uh, capital, I can come back to that in a moment, but basically the Supreme Court has spoken and said it is unconstitutional. And so Biden says, I'm kind of quoting, I think it's unconstitutional, but let's give it a try. Because by the time it works its way through the courts, we will have succeeded in our mission. In other words, let's do something. Biden says that I know is unconstitutional, but screw the Constitution. I got Democrats. I got to feed. So let's pass the. Let's just continue the eviction moratorium. A president who says, I know it's unconstitutional, but let's do it until I get caught. Man, that sounds like an impeachable offense to me. Now, uh, I just want to throw that out there and let people stew on that one for a while and discuss it with your lawyer buddies or figure out whether that's grounds for impeachment. We're not going to discuss whether it's likely to happen, duh, but as a theoretical matter, is it as a piece offense? It sure sounds like it to me. Now, as to the eviction, you are exactly right. The eviction moratorium makes a policy decision that here we have what Biden considers to be a problem. I don't. Biden does. Well it's a problem that's very expensive to fix. Well who's gonna fix the problem? Well federal government? Maybe a bit. But who does Biden say ought to really fix the problem? Well, Biden says, I know. How about the landlords? So let's take a pandemic and let's transfer a lot of the cost of the pandemic to those people who had the very bad judgment to be landlords to go about making an honest living by providing housing and shelter to others for a price the other people are willing to pay. Let's take those business people who engaged in a lawful activity that we encourage, that produces tax revenue, and let's make them pay out of their own pocket. By what moral standard, by what law, can can should the government decide to pick a group at random, at random, landlords. Why not say all oh, the dentists have to pay? Well, let's pick the landlords. Um, there aren't that many of them. They don't have a voting block. Let's pick the landlords and make the landlords pay for what we consider to be a national problem where if anybody should pay, it should be all of us. And the government's way of making sure it doesn't have to raise taxes is to make other people pay for what should be, in their view, a government policy and a government expense. There, Craig. How's that for starting? Boy, to you right you
1: place? sure teed that one up. <laughs> I, uh, love let, your to- I love it. I love it. Let me let me jump in here. Then we're gonna we're gonna frame the next segment of the conversation. Take a time out and come back with more. There, there's a number of issues here at play here. And in addition to what Bob has just articulated, uh, it, many of us can easily turn back the clock in our memory to 2009, the last significant economic event to happen in our country, and people were getting evicted right and left. Now, it can be argued, well, they got into these uh, NEGAM mortgages, they should have known better, they deserve to be evicted. But nobody said, no, 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 you must leave them in because the economy is bad, housing has gone sideways, so the landlords must carry the burden. The other issue here that I want to expand upon, and we'll get into some of this when we come back after the break, is Bob indicates it seems almost arbitrary that we've said the landlord may not evict a tenant, even if the victim, if the tenant uh, cannot, pay, because the tenant cannot pay their their rent. And yet nobody said, and if you cannot pay the rent, maybe that also means you can't afford groceries, and therefore you should be able to go to the grocery store and ask for free food. Or if you can't pay the rent, you probably can't pay the PG&E bill, so PG&E should give you free electric light. What about the cable company? Where do we draw the line, and and where do we say, wait a minute, there, there needs to be certain fundamental protections provided, not only in terms of property rights, but also commerce. Because absent those protections, then people would say, wait a minute, I'm bearing 110% of the risk here, and the level of, therefore, liability that I have to face as a landlord is just too much to bear. Now, everybody's has a right to, to pick and choose how they make their money and, and, and how or where they invest their funds, but imagine what kind of a mess this country would be in if you couldn't get individuals or corporations to be in the real estate rental business because they just deemed it way too risky that at the drop of a hat, a president could determine, oh, you know, the the Constitution be darned, I'm going to do what I want. By the time they catch up with me, We will have reached our goals anyway, so who cares? And if it's going to be on the backs of the landlords this time, why not next time the grocery store? How far does this go? This is a slippery slope that really bothers me, in addition to the fact that it sets up an opportunity for landlords to have to carry the entire brunt of this with no relief in sight. And you want the real joke? Even though they provided so-called renter's relief, landlords can't access that directly directly. No, the tenant has to do it. And if the tenant chooses not to be bothered, the landlord remains on the hook. Wow. Are we sure we're still in the United States? Let's take a time out. We'll come back to more. Bob Zadek, my guest host of the nationally syndicated Bob Zadek Show. Check him out online at bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-E-D-E-K.com. His program, The Bob Zadek Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. 5.34, an update on traffic.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: So the argument goes, COVID came and hit. The response threw the economy into a tailspin. Folks lost their jobs. Therefore, they have no access to cash, even though they're receiving unemployment benefits, as you would anytime you lose your job. And you were getting additional stimulus money and additional of uh, monies provided uh, during the course of the um, the COVID scenario, and then somehow arbitrarily of all the basic human needs, medical care, food, water, a roof over your head, it was decided that the roof over your head part, that any burden would be carried by the landlords should a tenant not have the financial wherewithal to uh, to pay the rent. Now, the question for our constitutional expert, syndicated talk show host and best-selling author Bob Zadek tonight is Bob, how is this not both restriction of trade or commerce and a violation of property rights to arbitrarily decide that one sector of the economy the people that rent property out, be it a corporation or small landlord individuals, that they themselves almost singularly must carry the burden of the economic impact of COVID. How is that constitutionally possible?
3: Well, first of all, the Constitution um, does have something to say about it. It is the government, in effect, depriving you of the use of your property that you own. Remember, a landlord owns the premises that is renting out, just as you, Craig, might own a private home if that's where you live. Now, imagine if the government said you had to provide housing to somebody who was evicted. And the government says, you must give somebody shelter for free. Now, if that sounds absurd, I defy our listeners to make a point-by-point distinction between the government saying to any homeowner or apartment owner, you must Invite somebody into a place that you live, that you own, as compared with the government saying to a landlord, because yesterday you rented out part of the property you own, today you must give it away. It's the same thing, my friends, so don't try to draw fine distinctions because you cannot. It's as if the music stopped and the landlords didn't get chairs mm-hmm. because they happened to have a tenant there at the time. They are now stuck. Now, I'm surprised that there are lots of, of let's say, apartment houses where there are vacant apartments. Wouldn't it be exactly the same thing for the government to say anybody who has a vacant apartment today must accept a homeless person into that vacant apartment for free? because of the pandemic. It's the same thing. You must take your property and make it available to somebody else for free. And if that prospect, you must take a tenant into your premises for free. If that sounds like as un-American as something can be, how is that different than what President Biden has done? You cannot with intellectual honesty, make any distinction. However, my hypothetical shows you how outrageous it all is. It's forcing one person who happens to have real property that nobody is in to accept somebody for free. Now, but it gets much worse than that. The fact is, as to the landlords, now the landlords, can't pay their mortgage payments, can't pay their real estate taxes, and can't pay their utility bills. So who's going to take care of them? Well, nobody for the minute. Now, I should say in fairness, although no fairness is deserved, in fairness, the system as designed was Washington was giving buckets of money, that's not a headline, to states with rules set up a system so that tenants can apply for rent payments and if the application is accepted the state will pay the tenants rent and in that way the landlord will be getting the money albeit from the government that was the system ill conceived and badly run so that the money went from washington to the states but the states messed up and didn't have the infrastructure because there were a lot of rules. So the money is sitting in the billions at the state level, ultimately to be paid through tenants to landlords. But right now, tenants aren't paying the rent. They aren't getting the money from the states because the states are messed up, California and New York being two profound examples, but lots of other states apply. The money is sitting in wa- in the states Landlords have no money. Tenants are living for free. Washington says, not our fault. We gave all the money. We, we paid several, uh, tens of billions of dollars in rent payments. We gave it to the states. Go yell at the states. So here we are. Landlords get no money, landlords can't pay their mortgages, tenants live rent-free, states are sitting on billions of dollars, can't figure out how to disperse it, and this is what our country stands for today. That's where we are today. Can't we learn that a complex program cannot be administered by Washington, and the solution is... Duh, the free market. Let the market sort it out. Now, what would the market have done? A tenant who cannot pay their rent would go to the landlord and saying, hey man, it's COVID. I don't have the money. I can pay you a little bit. Can you carry me for a while? Can you reduce my rent? The landlord has to deal with the issue that if he says no, he does an eviction and now he has no tenant. So, the landlord will being sensible work with the tenant on a case by case basis, and the market the market capital m will absorb the costs spread throughout the entire marketplace voluntarily without any government intervention that's the comparison between the given a real crisis economically, how the market would have dealt with it, versus how the government dealt with it. So you pick at the ballot box which system you like better.
1: Well, and as you suggest, the other issue of play here is that there's a greater sense of parity because it requires that everybody have some skin in the game. Uh, The the one thing that often, and you've touched on this, Bob, a couple of things, the, the one thing that folks often forget is landlords, big or small, still have property taxes, they still have maintenance, they still have insurance. In many cases, they may still have a mortgage on the property that your rent payments help him pay. And so at the moment where you declare I'm unemployed, I don't have any money, therefore I cannot pay my rent, don't think for a moment that there's some sort of relief provided to the landlord. The, the, the bank that holds the mortgage doesn't say, oh, we're sorry to hear that. Well, you just, you know, don't worry. Pay us when you get paid. And if you never get paid, uh, not to worry. Uh, any more than they get any relief from paying property taxes or maintaining their insurance or maintaining the building for that matter. It seems to me that this is enormous restriction of trade and and you know, we'll tell you what, full disclosure, I'm a landlord and I had a tenant who early on lost his job he's got a wife and two kids he came to me and said Craig, here's what's going on and here's what I'm able to do. Can we work out a deal? We absolutely did work out a deal, and I reduced the rent, and he paid it back over time when he went back to work. It all worked out. But he recognized I still had obligations to meet, but I also recognized that he was facing some financial challenges, and so to our mutual benefit, we came to terms. There's a big difference as Bob is suggesting between the free market working that out, and government in a heavy-handed fashion saying, we know what's better for everybody we're going to dictate how this is going to work you send your money to washington we send your money to california california says landlords can't access the funds but renters can but renters are under no obligation to do so and so there the money sits let's take a time out we'll get more insights bob zadek with us today we're working through i understand a very delicate issue here we're not suggesting that people should be thrown on the street But nor should we be suggesting that somehow one sector of the free marketplace ought to be forced to carry the entire burden. And if today the landlords, why not tomorrow the gasoline station? Hey, I still got to, you know, get my kids back and forth to, uh, you know, basketball practice or to school. I need gasoline. don't have any money. So, Mr. Uh, Station Operator, fill her up, and I don't intend to pay you. I mean, imagine how quickly the entire economy would unravel. If we moved into that dystopian atmosphere, and sadly, that's exactly what's being done here. My big fear is if it's the landlords today, who's it going to be the next time? We'll take a time out. Bob Zadok with us. Information again on his program, engaging topics like this and many more every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on 860 a.m. The Answer. You can get more details on the web about Bob's program past guests, podcasts, and other resources at That's bobzadek.com. That's b o b z a d e k.com. We'll take a brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. This report is paid for by HHS as Health Resources and Services Administration. And now back
0: to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we're back
1: to our conversation. Bob Zadek with us tonight. He is a lawyer by trade. He is a syndicated talk show host, best-selling author. With us tonight, working through some of the constitutional questions related to the moratorium on evictions, which now by the CDC has been extended through October. I also have to wonder, in terms of the authority here, the argument goes that this is to help stop the spread of of COVID, So why doesn't the CDC come in and say we must shut down all public venues, uh, we need to close down schools? I mean, at what point does the authority of the CDC to look out after the public's health uh, become, uh, <laughs> how should we say this, uh, become taken advantage of? And the other big question, Bob, is if landlords this time, then why not next time? Grocery stores, doctors, the phone company, the electric company. I mean, where does this end?
3: Craig, I was going to criticize you uh, privately, but I'm afraid I have to do so publicly uh, at the risk of uh, drawing a wedge between you and your audience. When you keep on saying stuff like that, Craig, you know that important political figures listen to this show tonight and you are putting ideas in their head craig that i <laughs> yeah. hope they don't think of yeah. so you sound like you're encouraging them craig and just postscript if you're listening in your important public figure do not um, follow craig's suggestion about extending this <laughs> horrible Eviction of moratorium. So, Craig, I think I have undone the damage you may have caused by putting ideas in the progressive's head. Now we can continue in a relaxed basis to finish our conversation.
1: Yeah, we can't, we can't talk too loudly on those topics. But, 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 uh, uh, euphemistically speaking, uh, there, there, there seems to me that 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 there there is such an egregious violation of not a just in this case property rights, but restriction of, of trade and commerce. Uh, why hasn't the U.S. Supreme Court weighed in on this and shut this thing down?
3: Well, they have, Craig, and the issue was you might uh, those listeners who um, pay attention to the the uh, prescriptions in the Constitution um, uh, have to be asking themselves how, as you have tonight, how can this be constitutional and what's the basis for it? Well the cdc remember this eviction moratorium didn't come from it came from a rather strange governmental organization cdc now this is not hud the housing and urban development. This is not commerce. This is CDC, my goodness, not even a cabinet position directly. So what is the CDC whose job is to spread misinformation about pandemics? How do they get the power to regulate rental practices? Well, Congress As we know, because, Craig, Craig, you and I have discussed this very often, Congress is lazy, and it passes broad, broad legislation empowering the executive branch through the administrative agencies. It empowers the executive branch to carry out certain broad policies, and the specific statute empowers CDC to, in effect, Pass in effect make any propose any measure uh, designed to prevent, and I'm paraphrasing, the spread of a communicable disease. And then the statute goes on to say, in describing the measures, such as quarantine, such as limiting travel, blah, blah, blah. So it has the kind of traditional, practical measures that health departments have taken to stop yellow fever and malaria from spreading. The CDC focused on take any measure, and they then said, how about a rent moratorium? Well, what does it have to do with COVID, one might ask. Well, the CDC says, well, if people get evicted, they have no place to live, and they are going to travel probably across state lines to find a place to live in another state. Therefore, by preventing evictions, we're not putting people onto the buses and trains and airplanes and cars to move across state lines. And therefore, we are preventing these COVID-infected evictees from carrying the disease kind of a stretch so that the supreme court has spoken and has said no when it says take any measures such as the such as is an attempt to describe the types of measures CDC can take. And nowhere in the such-as part of the statute is there anything remotely resembling a a eviction moratorium. Therefore, the Supreme Court says, using a principle called statutory interpretation, the Supreme Court says, under the rules of how we interpret a statute, we have found the CDC was not given... The power to evict. Well, that was a case that was held several months ago. Well, if the Supreme Court held that, then how could they do it? Well, it happened that Brent Kavanaugh, the fifth vote, got a little squishy. And while the Supreme Court was asked to decide, should they stay, prevent, stop the moratorium, four justices said yes. Brent Kavanaugh said, well, I agree the statute is unconstitutional, but I will not be the fifth vote to stay the government from doing it because there's only a few months left to go anyway so I will just as soon not stay the enforcement of the moratorium to give the government the few remaining months to pass out the money and prevent the crisis he was trying to cut the government a little slack well he learned his lesson because now Biden is taking the few additional months that Brent Kavanaugh in his absence of wisdom gave the government, and got, and got, Biden is saying, I'll see you a few months and bump you a year or two, Brent, and therefore I'm now extending it.
1: Wow. And of course, what makes this even more complicated is the fact that right now, even if they wanted to um, have an emergency session and discuss this, the U.S. Supreme Court is conveniently in recess until October. Hmm. And the moratorium runs through October. Hmm. Amazing. Dangerous territory. Slippery slope. Bob Zadok, we appreciate so much the time. You'll find these issues and others... Discussed with great depth and insight every Sunday at 8 a.m. on The Bob Zadek Show. Check him out. Information available on the web at bobzadok.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K dot com. 601 from KFAX. Here's a look at traffic now